0: If you've been a longtime listener of the local Sunday sports podcast, you know that this is normally the point where I talk about what the episode's about. Today, I'm doing something different, and this is the only thing I need to play. Hey. Okay. Why, yes, we are going to talk more about Dayton Sports Radio. No, just kidding. It's baseball time. Happy opening day, Cincinnati and Dayton. By the way, that song is in public domain off Edison Recordings. It's Take Me Out to the Ball Game in 1908, sung by Edward Meeker. 1908. This song is, like, stapled into American history. It's crazy to think. Anyway, you're listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, Sindaypod.com, and on social media, cindaypod, C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, or the Lee W. Malin. You'll find both of us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and also TikTok. Well, not cindaypod for TikTok, but you get what I'm saying. It's opening day. That means we're getting out of this winter weather, and hopefully we'll have warmer weather upcoming. Right now it looks good, but... Um, Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. I'll experience warm weather when it actually happens. So I don't need to tell you how important opening day is in Cincinnati. In fact, the Cincinnati Reds have only opened on the road three times in their history. The last time they went on to win the World Series. If they do that, I will be a very happy Cincinnati fan. I don't expect it, but hey, you know. And Dayton Dragons will open up Friday the 8th. That's tomorrow on this day of recording. But if you're hearing this on WWSU, then it's already happened. And the first series is in the books for both the Reds and the Dragons. We're going to talk about both. We're going to touch up on some high school and college baseball as well. It is the most wonderful time of the year. By that, I mean, you know, it's baseball, warm weather, and I got my Cincinnati Reds jersey on. So hey. It's baseball time. And we're going to start with the Dayton Dragons. They recently announced their 2022 roster. You can find it at daytondragons.com. And right now, no roster numbers. I'm sure they'll have roster numbers for their opening night game. Be kind of difficult if they didn't, but... There you go. You can catch all three games on Dayton CW, which is either on Channel 13 or 26 on Time Warner Cable, and on regular TV, it's 26. Actually, I don't know what it is on digital TV anymore. I probably should find this stuff out before I mention it, but you can watch it on TV, and all the Dragons games will be on 980 N E A M and... Yeah, you can also buy an MILB.TV package and watch all the games that way, too. I highly recommend it because this Dayton team looks stacked. I mean, incredibly stacked. We're going to visit my good friend's website, RedsMyerLeagues.com. Doug Gray runs that site, does a great job. But we're going to say who made the team first. This is as of april the 4th 2022 and like i said no numbers yet but you know they'll have them soon so pitching wise you got left-hander andrew abbott you have left-hander evan kravitz and then the rest are right-handers franger aranguin actually should check the pronunciation guide his is not on there Cool. Well, we'll find out if I said that right soon. Uh, Donovan Benoit, Joe Boyle, who, by the way, is one to watch out for. Apparently, his fastball is consistently around 100 miles per hour. That's what we call baking and throwing heat. Manuel Kachut, Thomas Farr, Miles Gaiman, Jake Gilbert, Jake Gozo, Nick Hansen, Evan Kravitz, the left-hander, like I mentioned, James Maronin, Connor Phillips, James Proctor, Carson Rudd, Jake Stevenson, and Spencer Stockton. Although Spencer Stockton, if he ever gets to bat, which don't count on it, pitchers don't bat in the minor leagues unless the manager messes up, he's a switch-hander. Everyone else will bat right, and Kravitz and Abbott will bat left, but again, don't count on it. Your two catchers will be Matt Nelson and Garrett Wolforth. Your infielders... One name that is highly talked about, Ellie De La Cruz. He will start in high A Dayton with Juan Martinez, Alex McGarry, Nick Quintana, Jose Torres, and Jonathan Willems. You have a left-handed bat in Alex McGarry. You have right-handed bats in Martinez, Quintana, Torres, and Willems. And De La Cruz is a switch hitter. And outfielders... You have four right-handed batters and one left-handed. The one left-handed batter is Jack Rogers. And your other outfielders, Alan Serta, Quinn Cotton, Ashton Creel, and Reese Hines. Yes, Reese Hines did make the move from third base to the outfield. Because that's what the Reds wanted. Your manager will be Brian LaHare. He takes over for Jose Marino, who I thought did an excellent job last year. But former mlb Brian LaHare is your manager. Brian Garman, the Wapakoneta, Ohio native, back as pitching coach. Juan Samuel is your bench coach. Daryl Ward, your hitting coach. Wade Hebrink, your athletic trainer. Daniel Donahue, the strength and conditioning coordinator. And Zach Schickel, the clubhouse manager. That's your staff and your players for the Dayton Dragons. Again, no numbers as of this recording, but trust me, they'll be up soon. So the article, which I believe is written by Tom Nichols, he handles a lot of the press releases. This Dragons roster is loaded with talent and headlined by star prospect Ellie Cruz, an infielder who enters spring training as the Reds' number three prospect based on MLB.com. With the top prospect on the list, Hunter Green set to begin the season with the Reds and the number two player on the list, Nick Lodolo, in contention to be with the Cincinnati Reds when the Reds throw out the opening pitch tonight. De La Cruz could jump from three to number one. How exciting would that be tomorrow that La De La Cruz will be the top prospect in the Reds system starting in Dayton, Ohio? The last player ranked as the top prospect for the Reds while playing for the Dragons, Homer Bailey, back in 2005. The Dragons roster includes six of the top 17 players in MLB.com's ranking of top Reds prospects, eight of the top 30. This roster also includes 14 players who spent some or all of the 2021 season with the Dragons, led by Quinn Cotton, the Dayton leader in home runs last year. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the ones that are returning back to Dayton after spending a little or a lot of time in the Gem City. So who else is on this team? I mentioned all the names. Reese Hines joins De La Cruz as a top 10 prospect. Right now, Hines listed as number nine and also the best power hitter, according to Baseball America, entering 2022 for the Reds. Matt Nelson ranked as the number 12 prospect. He led the entire nation in home runs at the college level at Florida State in 2021. Andrew Abbott, the starting pitcher, ranked number 13 in the red system, second team All American last year in 2021 at the University of Virginia, and also led the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, in strikeouts. Connor Phillips, that might be a name you haven't heard. Well, he was part of that Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez to Seattle deal, ranked as the 14th best prospect. So it'll be interesting to see what he brings to the Reds' farm system. Jose Torres, ranked number 17th, considered to be the best defensive shortstop in the 2021 draft after leading NC State to the College World Series. Not bad. Can't wait to see his defense. Alan Serta played a little bit last year in Dayton. He's a power-hitting outfielder, Alan Serta, ranked as the 22nd best prospect, was promoted to Cincinnati's 40-man roster over the winter, and also participated in big league spring training. Meaning, we're probably not going to see Serta a lot in Dayton, but stranger things have happened. Also, this Dragons roster has a whopping 11 players selected in the first five rounds. So yeah, Dayton's stacked. Hines came out of the second round, Nelson in the supplemental first round, Abbott in the second round, supplemental second round for Phillips, Torres in the third, Boyle in the fifth. Also, the other pitchers, Thomas Farr in the fifth round, Hanson in the third, Kravitz the fifth, Marin in the fourth, and infielder Nick Quintana, second round. So you're returning Dragons. I've already mentioned Quinn Cotton. Jack Rogers spent last three weeks with Dayton last year. Alan Serta, about the same time. Matt Nelson came out a little bit earlier than those three gentlemen. Garrett Wolff, about the same time. Also, you know it's spring when the lawnmowers are set to do their thing at the apartment complex we live in. Great. Jake Gilbert, Evan Kravitz, James Maranin, Thomas Farr, James Proctor, Spencer Stockton are all back in Dayton Spockton Stockton's been around for a little bit. Uh, I think he's the longest tenured dragon, maybe James Marin Marinan's battled injuries here and there. He will most likely still be in the starting, uh, rotation, uh, Spencer Stockton. He was in the starting rotation, moved to the bullpen a bulk of the season. Then I think once all the starters moved up to Chattanooga, he came back in the starting rotation. So there you go. Like I mentioned, on radio, 980 AM, also 104.7-2, or dash 2 even, on HD radio. That's how I'm listening. And also 25 games on Dayton CW, including all Saturday and Sunday home games. It's a very exciting time, and I want to see what Redsmeyer Leagues talks about. And the article is about Ellie De La Cruz headlining the Dragons roster. I mean... Yeah, this team is stacked. I can't wait for them to do big things in the Midwest League. Yes, I said Midwest League. That name is back. Apparently last year, uh, with MILB being absorbed into MLB, they didn't get the copyright for Midwest League and all the other leagues. There is one that's changing. I think that's the Pacific Coast League. I think. Was it the South Atlantic League? I don't remember. It's one of those two. Midwest League is technically back. Without Clinton, without Burlington, without Kane County and without Bowling Green. Bowling Green moved back down south because, you know, in the south. So this is Doug Gray's article. He wrote this on the fourth about the same time the roster came out and he talks about the pitchers as well. Last year, the starters were Andrew Abbott, Joe Boyle, Thomas Farr, Evan Kravitz, James and Connor Phillips, and James Proctor. Proctor got, I think, two starts in Dayton because he came out really, really late. So we've seen Kravitz, although I believe he was part of the bullpen for the Dragons last year. Thomas Farr, uh, I think he got one, two starts, then he got hurt. Uh, James Marin, and I mentioned, he started in Dayton past few years, bowed through some injuries. Catchers mentioned Matt Nelson, Garrett Wolferth, although neither guy played 10 games with the Dragons last year. I, I thought he, they were in town for like two or three weeks. I could be remembering wrong. Hell, I don't remember what I did yesterday. So, yeah, both catchers do have a little bit of experience in Dayton, but they'll start... With the Dragons this year. Infielders, like I mentioned, LA De La Cruz, one of the hottest names in minor league baseball, going from an unknown prospect to top 100. That's a very huge jump considering how stacked minor league baseball is. So think about that. Also, the Reds do like Torres and De La Cruz as shortstops, so trying to find both playing times. Yeah, that's going to be a little tough. I mean, you'll probably see one play second, one play short. Maybe one goes to third. You know, they're they're going to get playing time. You can guarantee that. I I don't like guaranteeing things I don't know about, but both of them not in the starting lineup on Friday. I'll be wicked surprised. And the outfielders as well. Reese Hines will be making his debut in the outfield with Dayton on Friday. Quite possibly, I should say. He made the transition from third base to the outfield this spring, and the things went well enough that the organization decided stick with him, he'll be an outfielder. One big red flag is Heinz has struggled to remain healthy, but last year, when he's on the field, he crushed the ball, slugging 542 with 29 extra base hits and 54 games played. If he can stay healthy, that'll be quite interesting to see what he does in Dayton. Because Dayton, pretty f- hitter's friendly park. So that's your Dayton Dragons look. Like I mentioned TV on the weekends and some Fridays and radio all the time. Dayton's going to start off with a three game series at home against Fort Wayne and then five at Lake County Uh, all Mondays with the exception of July 4th are off as Dayton will host West Michigan for the 4th of July. So Fort Wayne with three games at home, West Michigan at home at day or ballpark. Man, it's nice to see that Midwest league logo back up. Beautiful. Just beautiful. We are sticking with six game sets again, which it's fine. I don't quite mind it. It's tough, but hey, yeah, you do save gas. There are, I think three, three game series and they're both with Fort Wayne. Dayton's got four off days for the 18th to 21st of July, which is weird to see, but there you go. So you will see your normal foes in Fort Wayne, Great Lakes. By the way, Fort Wayne with San Diego, Great Lakes with the Dodgers, Lake County with Cleveland, Lansing with Oakland, and West Michigan with Detroit. In the West, you have Beloit, now called the Skycarp. In case you're wondering what Skype Carp is, it's apparently Canadian geese, and apparently it's big in Beloit, so much so that they got rid of the name Snappers for it, and they have ditched their green and gold and navy colors for that uh, cerulean blue that Miami has, which is cool and all, but just it's it's for another episode. Let's not talk about that. Beloit with Miami, Cedar Rapids with. Minnesota, Peoria with St. Louis, South Bend with the Cubs, Wisconsin with Milwaukee. Just weird to say. You know, Wisconsin is such a big state. Milwaukee's just the city. Never mind. Quad Cities with Kansas City, I believe. Yeah, Kansas City or Houston, one of the two. And I feel like I skipped one. No, I guess I didn't. So that's your Midwest League. Dayton will visit Cedar Rapids and host Cedar Rapids. will also host Quad Cities and go to Quad Cities. I believe the Dragons visit South Bend and host South Bend. Okay. Uh, I think it's just hosting South Bend, actually. Now they say that because, you know, you have six game series, you know, there's less travel. So we don't see as much of the Western Division as we used to. Meaning I don't see Wisconsin on there. I don't see Beloit. Double checking to make sure that I'm not just making stuff off. Peoria is in town to kick off August. So, yeah, that's your schedule. You can look at DaytonDragons.com and 66 home games. How exciting. There is another piece of news. Yours truly will be a public address announcer for the Dragons for a few games. I, yeah, I got the PA3 role, so that's pretty cool. Really excited. My first game announcing for the Dragons won't be until the 20th of this month, April, but hey, I'm moving up. Even if it's just 10 games this year, I'm moving up, and I cannot wait to finally get to announce for the Dragons. This is my 11th year with the franchise. I'm still doing scoreboard primarily, but hey, I'll get to see a lot of Dragons games and I really think Dayton can get into the playoffs. Big thing is I need to check to see what the playoff system is going to be like this year. Let's see if the Midwest league pulls anything up. Cause last Midwest league.com and I put a space in it. What is wrong with me? So last year it was the two best records and yeah, it didn't matter if you were both in the West, both in the East. Two best records, you would play for the championship, and that was it—the High A Central Championship. Dayton was eliminated on the second to last day. That's how close it was. But I ended up tying for first with Lake County by record, so that's that's pretty cool. This is from March 30th, 2022, by Stephanie Sheehan, I'm talking about the return of the Midwest League name. Like I mentioned, all the names except one are back. This is the Midwest League established in 1947. Went by High A Central last year, but back to Midwest League. East has Dayton, Fort Wayne, Great Lakes, Lake County, up in East Lake, Ohio, Lansing, and West Michigan in Comstock Park, which is Grand Rapids. Beloit, Wisconsin. Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Peoria, Illinois. Uh, Quad Cities is in Davenport, Iowa, which is right across the river, and early on the season when it rains a bunch, yes, there's a lot of rainouts and the stadium can flood. There you go. That's what happens when you build a stadium right on the river. South Bend, Indiana, and Appleton, Wisconsin. That's your West Division. Last year, Quad Cities won it, I think, four out of six. best two out of three, I think. Your most championships, Lansing and Wisconsin, both with nine. But remember, Lansing, most of those championships came when they were affiliated with Toronto, which now that's Vancouver taking that spot. Lansing's now with Oakland, and last year they kind of struggled. So there you go. So yeah, 1947. There's a lot of great history here. Peoria Chiefs, one of the oldest teams in the Midwest League, and there's a tweet from minor league baseball talking about how the affiliates, the affiliates changed a lot for Peoria. Mainly it's Cubs and the Cardinals. But uh, the name stuck around. And in case you're wondering, no, it's not Native American logo. It is a fire, uh, a fire department Dalmatian, and it is wicked awesome. Also, if like me, you have two young kids. Well, actually, they haven't watched it for some time. I made the joke about five years ago saying that. The Chiefs logo now only reminds me of Paw Patrol. Thank you, Stepkids. Thank you for making me watch that. No, I'm just kidding. So yeah, Midwest League is back. 12 teams. And this is not telling me about playoffs. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But Dayton Dragons roster, stacked. There is no reason why Dayton can't run the Eastern Conference. There's no reason why Dayton can't get in the playoffs. I'm expecting big things from this team. And yes, I know. Minor League Baseball is so fluent. You'll have call-ups, call-downs. Players will struggle. They'll be sent down to single-A Daytona. Players will hit out of their minds and advance to double-A Chattanooga. Like I said, I think... uh, uh, Who was it? Cotton or Serda? One of the two I said. I don't think they'll be in Dayton too long. So make sure you come out... When you can. Very excited. And again, season starting Friday the 8th of April. And now Day are Ballpark in the heart of the Water Street District. When I started at the Dragons, there was no Water Street. And in fact, where all those apartments are now, that was where employees parked. And some fans. Now it's where people live. And I looked at the prices on <laughs> those. They are wicked expensive. Wicked and that covers the Dayton Dragons. We now talk about the big league team, the Cincinnati Reds. I made no qualms about how I felt about the trades that the Reds were making, but I'm a fan of the Reds. I'm a Cincinnati at heart, so I might be disappointed with those moves, but the Reds are still my team. And let's talk about those Reds. They're opening tonight, the 7th of April. Again, remember, if you're listening to radio, this has already happened. So, if you're listening to this on the future for some reason, give me the lottery numbers. I need money. So, the Reds will open up in Atlanta. Atlanta is the defending World Series champs. And, in fact, tonight, the 7th, the Braves are wearing special jerseys. They got their white jerseys on, but the outline is going to be gold because they're the champions. So... Definitely cool about that. Definitely cool to see the Braves win it last year, or in my case, listen to the Braves winning it last year. For just the third time since 1890, think about that, third time since 1890, the Reds will begin a season on the road. This year's opening day matchup brings them to Truist Park, where they will find an energized crowd cheering for the defending World Series champion Braves. This is written by Mark Bowman and Jesse Borick for MLB.com. As Joey Votto enters his 16th season with the Reds, the Braves have replaced Freddie Freeman with Matt Olson at first base, also gave him, what was it, an eight-year, nine-year deal? Ooh. Olsen is a suburban Atlanta native who's looking forward to joining a lineup that also has Austin Riley and Ozzy Albies. Here is a look at the opening day matchup. So, for those that want to catch it, and you're not listening to it on radio, it's too late. It's going to be at 8.05 first pitch. It'll be available on MLB TV, also nationally on television at ESPN2. Reds fans can listen to WLW or any of the affiliates on the Reds Radio Network. Braves fans can listen on 680 The Fan, 93.7 FM, or any of the affiliates of the Braves Radio Network. So, the lineups for Cincinnati, Jonathan India last year's rookie of the year took off in 2021 when he was shifted to lead off spot on my birthday, June 5th. He set to hold down that role again this year with a new look middle of the order behind him. No Nick Castellanos, but one year deal offered to Tommy Pham. And I, I was okay with this. Tommy Pham, not a bad hitter. And he's done his fair share of damage to the Reds when he was with St. Louis and the Cardinals. Votto dialed back the clock to his MVP candid days for much of last season and figures the cleanup spot will be his. Nick Senzel had his third big league season torpedoed by injuries. And that's one thing that I hate. Nick Senzel just been hurt so much. This is not me mocking him. This is just me saying... Imagine what his career would be like if those injuries don't happen to him. I still expect big things. I know Nick Senzel can deliver big things. I hope this dude has a breakout 2022 and he's healthy for the whole season. That's what I want. Go get him, Senzel. You got a fan here at Dayton. The center field gig is his, so as long as he can remain healthy... And manager David Bell was enthusiastic during spring training about the depth he believes this unit has, particularly with the speed of Zenzel and Jake Fraley at the bottom of the lineup. Remember, this is the year that the National League decides, okay, everyone's going DH, we'll go DH. You can thank Rob Manfred for that. If you like it or dislike it. Me, personally, I don't care. I dislike it because, you know, that's what made the NL special. But at the same time, Everyone's doing the DH, so why not? So, the guess, the guess, the estimated starting lineup looks like this India at second base, leading off. Naquin, the DH, batting second. Naquin had a heck of a start last year, just really cooled off, though. Tommy Famine left, batting third. Joey Votto, the first baseman, batting in the cleanup spot. Tyler Stevenson, catcher number one. Batting fifth, Mustakis back at third, Kyle Farmer, your shortstop, Nick Senzel in center, Jake Fraley in right, and your opening day starter is Tyler Mowley. And I like Tyler Mowley a lot. I got to see him pitch in Dayton. He's one of the Dragon starters that actually stayed a starter when he got up to the major leagues. Last year, champion of the road. Home, eh, but... This dude can deliver, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him leading the starting rotation. No more Sonny Gray, no more Wade Miley, no more Trevor Bauer. Thank goodness with all the legal headaches. Oh, man, just and people still defend him. Like, just because there's not enough evidence does not mean you're not guilty. But we're not going down that road because I'll be here all day and everyone's going to scream at me like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just like that. In case you're wondering what the Braves lineup looks like, Eddie Rosario, the right fielder, leading off. Ozzie Albies, the second baseman. Matt Olson, the first baseman. Clean up third baseman, Austin Riley. Marcelo Zuna, the left fielder. Adam Duvall in center. I didn't think he re-signed with the Braves. I don't know. Alex Dickerson, the DH. Dansby Swanson, the shortstop. Travis Darno, the catcher. Max Fried, the left-handed starter. So that's your look at what the Braves lineup could look like. Again, Braves lineup and the Reds lineup are not secure, but that's just the guess on this article. So for Malley, he ascended to the role of the team's opening day starter after posting a 13-6 record a 3.75 ERA in his first full big league campaign last year. I thought he was there for 2022, but I guess I'm wrong. His 210 strikeouts ranked ninth in the NL. While he has pitched like a top-of-the-line starter for stretches, he ascended to Game 1 duties when Luis Castillo was pushed back due to a sore right shoulder and Sonny Gray dealt to Minnesota. Malley compiled 14 strikeouts over 10 and two-thirds innings during spring ball. He finished his last start Saturday, stretched out and ready to roll for a normal workload. The right-hander made one start versus the Braves last season, a 4-0 defeat when he struck out seven over six innings at Great America Ballpark on June 27th. A little bit about Freed. This is his second opening day start and his first appearance since tossing six scoreless innings in the deciding sixth game of the World Series that brought the cup back home to Atlanta. He's got the best MLB ERA at 1.74 last year after last year's All-Star break, and he finished fifth in balloting for the Cy Young Award. In 2020, the left-hander has become one of the game's top starters since adding a slider to his arsenal in 2019. Freed's a really tough pitcher, so this is, is going to be a tough battle for Cincinnati, but I do like the offense more on that in a minute. He allowed two runs over five innings when he made his opening day start in Philadelphia last year. He'll be facing the Reds in Atlanta for the first time since... The Game 1 2020 NL Wild Card Series. Seven scoreless innings. And I think he gave up one hit in that. And there's a little bit more on that with the bullpen and everything. So, yeah. The Reds roster. You know, we talk about the deals. And, yeah, there's a few changes here or there. Still sad. About Shogo Akiyama getting cut, I thought he could have had a great career, but just never got the bat around. so hopefully he you know winds up somewhere where you know he can begin his career again. So this is a new article. this is by Mark Sheldon. He does a lot of red stuff, and this is also on the Reds website MLb.com. He mentions new faces will be plentiful for the Reds as they travel to Atlanta to begin the 2022 season Thursday night. So the final Reds opening day prediction, your catchers will be Tyler Stevenson and Aramis Garcia. I believe he's the one that was picked up off waivers from the Oakland Athletics. He had himself quite the spring training. He enjoyed a two-homer game with five RBIs versus Oakland on March 19th against his old team. Previously played for the Giants while manager David Bell was running player development there. So there's a little bit of familiarity. With Garcia and the manager. And Stevenson most likely will be batting in the middle of the order. Strong rookie campaign last year behind Tucker Barnhart, who's now in Detroit. Uh, that, that send-off is kind of heartbreaking. I mean, yeah, Stevenson needs time to shine. And it could be now. Just Barnhart was solid. So... Votto at first base, I think that's the biggest duh statement you'll hear on this podcast. Second base, Jonathan India, again, duh. Kyle Farmer, your shortstop, third base, Mike Mustakas with Eugenio Suarez being dealt to Seattle. And I forget if he's on year three or four of his four-year $64 million contract. He reads to rebound badly. This is the guy I want to see rebound as best as he can because when Moustakis is healthy and just swan the ball around he can be dangerous but I worry that age has caught up to him and he's getting old outfield is interesting like I mentioned Akiyama being told bye you got Nick Senzel, Tommy Pham, Tyler Naquin Jake Fraley and Aristides Aquino that's how it's pronounced in Dayton Uh, Aristides I guess I don't know So, yeah, no Castellanos, no Jesse Winker. Those are two big names that just are not on this list and no longer in Cincinnati. Like I said, mad about those trades, but still a Reds fan, so there we go. Tommy Pham, I'm excited to see what he can bring. Jake Fraley should be interesting to see. He's the best defensive option left field, says the article. Could be a right-handed power bat, Tommy Pham, in either corner. I hope to see Aquino rebound back and become the Punisher like he can be, and Sinzel, like I said, I want him to stay healthy. I want him to stay healthy, and I want him to have a great season. And also, no, this is not the boat you get on if you just want to bash Sinzel, because I will not tolerate that slander. So your utility, or DHs, or bench players, remember DH is now a thing in the NL for good, Colin Moran, former Pittsburgh Pirate, and Brandon Drury. Well, this name would include Max Schrock, who has turned out to be a beast everywhere he can play, and Davin Solano, who was added... February, I think, off waivers. Max Schrock's injury hurts. Solano, eh, fine. I think Schrock will come back, hopefully soon. So Drury... I believe I saw Brandon Drury play with the South Bend Silverhawks a long time ago. So that'll be interesting at bat. Call him a ran. There's a lot of people that are just like, eh, but he's a solid hitter when he's got it going on. So I don't mind that. He was also a Reds killer. So you can't kill a Reds when you're on the Reds. <laughs> you're starting rotation right now. There's four when Luis Castillo comes back. That's, you know, easy slide in Mike Miner. Now, that's going to be an interesting talk. Who gets bumped down when minor returns? Castillo, I think he'll be back mid-April, I think. So, right now, it's Tyler Malley for opening night. Vladimir Gutierrez, Hunter Green. Yes, Hunter Green in the starting rotation. He's going to make his Reds debut uh, Saturday, Sunday, April the 10th. That's Sunday. Okay. On Sunday, April the 10th. He's going to bring his triple digit heat to the big league mound for the first time ever. And I can't wait. Nick Lodolo, who is the number two prospect for Cincinnati. He will travel with the Reds to begin the season, but the Reds don't need a fifth starter until April 13th because off day. There's also Reaver, Reaver, River. I don't know how to say that name. Actually, Sam Martin, He made two superb big league starts at the end of the 2021 season. So, that's not bad. These names, if everything goes well, should be very interesting. And we do have to talk about the bullpen. Let's talk about the bullpen. Luis Sessa, Hunter Strickland, Art Warren, who I believe is a former Cincinnati Bearcat, Tony Centillion, Justin Wilson, Jeff Hoffman, Buck Farmer, A new addition to the Reds this year, Dalry Moretta, Ryan Hendricks, Daniel Duarte, Alexis Diaz. Ryan Hendricks being in the bullpen excites me because this dude was a rock star in Dayton. And Hendricks was nasty. I think he only got hit up like once or twice with Dayton, but that could just be me misremembering. So, one name I didn't mention, Lucas Sims, former Atlanta Brave. He's got a back injury, so... We'll see when he's needed. So closing duties could fall to Luis Sessa or Hunter Strickland, also a new name for the Reds, and both will factor large in the late innings because short starts are expected in the early going. Multiple innings of relief will be key for the Reds with Jeff Hoffman, Tony Santillion, Duarte, and Diaz, who could help bridge the gap. No Amir Garrett on this list. I know, Amir Garrett's last two years were crap. Let's not split hairs on it. But the dude was all about Cincinnati in alleys with Kansas City that helped bring Mike Minor to the Reds. So, yeah, the bullpen's going to be my big question. I think Justin Wilson, I'm trying to think of Justin Wilson, came over from the Yankees. I think he did. Hey, he was okay. Tony Centillion, dude, is good. Buck Farmer, I saw him with the West Michigan Whitecaps, I think my first, second, or third year with the Dragons, so yeah, that's a name I recognize. Dowry Moretta, I saw with the Dragons, he was pretty good, he got better as he went along. Like, as a season rolled along, Moretta was pretty dominant, so excited. Daniel Duarte, I don't remember him too much. Alexis Diaz, I remember, he started off rough, had to be sent down, tweaked his mechanics, came back, was perfectly fine. So, yeah, that's your bullpen. That's your Reds. And right now, I expect, you know, there's a lot of record predictions. It just really depends how the season rolls along. Duh. That's how sports works. For me, I I don't think the Reds will be last place in the NL Central. Sorry, Pittsburgh. I just, I don't know if you have enough to get out of last place. The Reds are in the basement. Then heads need to roll heads will need to roll because this is a lineup that can do some damage with the bats. You have starters with experience. The bullpen has experience. Now the big thing is hopefully they're not burn out by June and then they become, you know, walking run, giving up seeds. It'll be interesting to see what's on tap for Cincinnati. Well, I mentioned third time since 1890, the Reds are on the road to begin the season. Atalanta, Atlanta, for four off day, the eleventh, and then the twelfth and thirteenth, Cleveland's in town first as the Cleveland Guardians, and I believe that's a four ten Tuesday start. Interesting, which means I'll be able to listen to it on the radio and bug my stepgirls when I pick them up from school. Ha <laughs> ha. No. The four-game series at Atlanta, Thursday at 8.08 for opening day, 7.20 on Friday, 7.20 Saturday, and 1.35 Sunday. The Reds at home against Cleveland, 4.10 Tuesday, 12.35 Wednesday. And then right after that Cleveland game, it's time to hit the road as Cincinnati has their first of two Western chips, four at the Dodgers, three at San Diego. That's brutal. That's not even fair. That's just brutal. But, hey, you got to deal what you get dealt with. Off on the 21st and then back home to take on those Redbirds from Missouri. The Missouri Redbirds, that's what they're called. Now, the St. Louis Cardinals in town. 6.40, uh, first pitch on Friday, which I don't understand why that's not 7, but whatever. And the first fireworks Friday night. That will have Super Saturday, a Reds calendar on the 23rd as... It's Cincinnati, St. Louis, round two at 410. And on the 24th of Sunday, 141st pitch, Family Sundays, San Diego, excuse me, St. Louis, and then San Diego's in town the 26th, 27th, 28th. And then it's a road trip to Colorado to take on the Rockies. That's your April. And honestly, I think this Reds team could probably get to 500 on the year. 80-80. That's going to be my... You know, that's going to be my guess, because I think Milwaukee is still solid. St. Louis is solid, even though Albert Pools is back. But he's not his if he turns into his former Cardinal self, he's just going to destroy Reds pitching again, isn't he? But this is his last go around. So that's kind of special. Uh, the Cubs. Uh, nah, nah, <laughs> the Cubs. Nah, let's not talk about them. No, I, I don't think the Cubs will do that great. Honestly, I think it'll probably be St. Louis, Milwaukee, Reds, Cubs, Pirates. That's my guess. And, you know, when we go over standings in, when is the last month of the year? When the Bengals start. What else? No, that's not correct. October the 5th is the last regular season day. Man, the season's winding in pretty long. Against, you guessed it, Chicago. Wait, rescheduled from April the 3rd. Wait a minute. What? What am I missing there? This should be just the three game series. Oh, duh. Lockout. How the hell did I forget about the lockout already? <sighs> anyway, let's look at the coaches. Derek Johnson, still the pitching coach. Hitting coach is Alan Zinter. Freddie Benavides, the bench coach. Yes, the first manager for the Dayton Dragons. David Bell, the manager. Joe McKeithen, the Major League Assistant Hitting Coach. Eric Yeagers, the Assistant Pitching Coach. It might be Jaggers, I don't know. Delano DeShields, you might remember him being the Dragons manager. First base infield base running coach. Third base, J.R. House, also the catching coach. Game planning outfield coach, Jeff Pickler. Bullpen coach, Lee Tunnel. Bullpen catcher, Jose Duarte. You might remember him with the Dragons, where pretty much he would hit triples or nothing. Literally, it was like that. And assistant coaches Kyle Arnsberg, Christian Perez, and Rolando Vales. That's your coaching staff for the Reds. And honestly, like I said, I think the Reds can hit any wins. That's probably my borderline, hey, a few wins off the mark, I'll be happy with the season. Because I think losing, you know, some of your hottest hitters in Castellanos Winker and losing your sass in the bullpen Garrett like I said I think Garrett was going to rebound this year but I don't know that I can't see the future so that is the look at the Reds and the Dragons should be a very interesting year for baseball in Cincinnati and Dayton as now we head along to talk college ball yes I know I still haven't got the college basketball episode down but Hey, stuff happens, and it will get done eventually, I promise. But let's talk about the 61 schools in the area as we're running out of time for this hour-long affair. We'll start off with the Horizon League, two teams in the Sunday area. Wright State on top, like everyone predicted, 7-2. A game over Oakland, a team that actually took the series at Nishwood Stadium. And Norfolk, Kentucky, 5th place at 3-5, ahead of UIC and Purdue-Fort Wayne. So right State, they have swept their last two Horizon League opponents, Norfolk, Kentucky on the road, and Purdue-Fort Wayne on the road. 7-2, 12-14 overall are the Raiders. They lost last night to Cincinnati, and they are fourth place in the Joe Nuxall Classic. And I'm very excited that that is back as the Raiders, 7-2 and two in Horizon League play. They dropped the series at home to Oakland, who's 6-3. and Can the Golden Grizzlies be good this year? Hmm, interesting. Youngstown State 3-3, Milwaukee 2-2, NKU 3-5, UIC 1-2, and And Purdue-Fort Wayne 2-7. The Norse, let's look at their conference slate so far. Looks like a splitting at UIC, winning the first game, then dropping the second game in extras, getting swept by Wright State at home. Then we drop down Milwaukee, a... 2 out of 3 series win for the Norse at Milwaukee, and then falling to the Dayton Flyers at home 16-3. They'll be at Youngstown State next, will the Norse, and for Wright State, let's go back. This site is not very friendly to use. I think Wright State is, is this the weekend they're home against UIC that starts Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or is it next week? I think it's next week. Yeah, because the Raiders are off on conference play. They are at Bradley for three, then at Xavier on the 12th, and then the 14th, 15th, and 16th. There's UIC for their last conference series in Dayton, Ohio. Yes, that makes me sad to see UIC go, but eh, bye. For the Dayton Flyers. In the Atlantic 10, they drop two out of three against Rhode Island. And the Flyers sit one and two with St. Joseph's, George Mason, and Fordham. Fordham one really surprised me. And Fordham six and 19. Hmm. Davidson having a really good year. 22 and five. And three and zero with George Washington. I see the Colonials get a little resurgence going. Two and one for St. Louis. VCU, UMass, and Rhode Island, the team that... Took two out of three against Dayton, but five and twenty two overall. Ugh. and zero and three is Richmond and St. Bonaventure. Darn on Richmond. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Tracy Woodson because that guy was a big jerk to me when I hit the wrong button shouting at me from the dugout class. Let's move to the Mac before I talk more about that and get angrier. Get some action. Okay, Miami is 7-8 in conference play. I had to do a double take because, like, wait, how do you guys already have about 15 games in conference play? Well, they do. Miami is currently sitting in fifth place in the baseball standings right now. The best winning percentage is Central Michigan at 9-1. Ball State is 12-2. That's the most conference wins. Eastern Michigan 6-6, six six. Kent State 5-5, five five. Miami 7-8, Akron 7-9, with Chris Sabo leading the way. Northern Illinois 6-8, Ohio 5-7, Toledo 6-9, Western Michigan 4-6, Bowling Green 4-10. Nice to see Akron back up there. For Miami, already 15 conference games, and Wright State has only 9. And Dayton just played their first conference series. But then again, in the A-10, you don't play everyone. So there you go. A four game sweep at home against Bowling Green and then swept. I'm guessing that's all at home against Central Michigan. So four and four at Toledo dropping two a three. That's the same Toledo team that beat that team in Columbus. Woo-hoo. A two out of three series win at Northern Illinois winning. The first two and then dropping the second. Apparently that's a header. Doublehead- oh, excuse me. Nope, no, I I can't read. I can't read. Please help. No, it is a series uh, split as the Huskies and the Redhawks split two out of four and then falling at Xavier 17 to two up next for the Redhawks, Eastern Michigan for four at home and then Western Michigan on the road for four and then at Kent State for four. So that's your big reason why there's so many conference games. They're playing a four game swing. Which I don't mind that. Now the American, the Cincinnati Bearcats, currently one and two, in conference play type with Wichita State and Eric Wedge, Tulane and UCF three and and0 Houston, East Carolina at two and one, Wichita State, Cincinnati one and two, South Florida, Memphis 0 oh and three. Who did Cincinnati play? They're currently eleven and sixteen on the year. Also beating that team in Columbus, which is always something to treasure. Especially when you're tired of hearing about that team in Columbus on radio, but you can listen to the last episode on that. They dropped two of three. Did the Bearcats at home against East Carolina, winning the first one seven to three, but dropping the next ones eight to four and twelve to ten. Beating Wright State last night seven to four. Up next, Houston and the Cougars in town. And then it's a three-game swing at Wichita State before coming home to take on Indiana. Then three against south florida and then three at east carolina and last up the big east xavier how are those muskies doing well they haven't played a big east series yet no joke literally there's been two teams i've played georgetown is two and one villanova one and two i wonder who they played hmm let's look no let's not so right now xavier sitting 15 and 15 right now the most wins Overall is UConn's 21, Georgetown not far behind at 19, uh, Xavier and Crichton with 15 each, Butler with 14, St. John's 11, and then you have 9 for Villanova and a tie. Wildcats, really, I thought you were better than that. And Seton Hall, 6 and 21. So that's your look. Who is the first conference foe for these Musketeers? Well, it'd be great if the website loaded, or I can actually hit the button. And I will tell you, that is Seton Hall on the road. And, in fact, I think Xavier was the winner of the Joe Nuxall Club. No, that was last. No, that was Tuesday. Wow, they played that game, but uh, never mind. So I think Xavier finishes first. I think Cincinnati will finish third and Miami second. Because Miami beat Wright State. So, again, the series is at Seton Hall for three in South Orange, New Jersey. Then hosting Wright State, free against Villanova in Cincinnati, and then three at Georgetown a site to be determined back home late April to take on Creighton then at Butler, and then at Yukon and then hosting St John's to close out the regular season. that is your look at Division One college ball in the area. and last up for this episode, high school tournaments. there's two big ones. There's the Reds Futures High School Showcase, which this year will be the 11th year, which is tied in with the Reds, which is really cool. It's one of my favorite ones to work. And also, the Dayton Dragons will be in its 17th year having high school teams play baseball at the High A Stadium. We're going to start with the Dayton Dragons because the first game is on April the 9th and it's right after the Dragons game. And it's my hometown, West Alexandria, Twin Valley, South Panthers. That's a wordy sentence. Twin Valley South will take on their former cross-county conference foe in the Covington Buccaneers, now part of the Three Rivers Conference. That's 7 o'clock first pitch, Saturday the 9th, and like I said, right after the Dragons game, excited to see not only all the Preble County schools Back here at Day Ballpark, but a lot of the local schools as well. Uh, Valley View's in it. Eaton, National Trail, Tri-County North. I mentioned Twin Valley South. Preble Shawnee, New Lebanon Dixie. Yeah, I, I mean, if you can come out to watch high school ball, I don't think it's free anymore, but the tickets are like five bucks. So, really, come on. It's, it's cheap. Come out and watch a game. So, your baseball schedule, by the way, all this is... Presented to you by Bob Ross Auto Group. 23 high school baseball games. 46 area high schools playing in downtown Dayton. So, mentioned Covington Twin Valley South. Saturday the 9th. Wednesday the 13th. A doubleheader. Edgewood against Northwest. And Northmont versus Wayne. Thursday the 14th. Beaver Creek, Lebanon against Kenton Ridge and Tippecanoe. That's Beaver Creek versus Lebanon and Kenton Ridge versus Tippecanoe. Versailles takes on Wyoming, and Bethel has Fort Loramie on Friday, April 15th. By the way, the doubleheaders start at thirty. Second game scheduled for seven. Saturday, you got a block load of contests, three of them. At noon, it's Preble Shawnee Dixie, uh, 3.30 Blanchester Clinton Massey, and seven is Indian Hill Middletown. On the 23rd, after a Dragons game, it is Bishop Fenwick against Northwestern. Tuesday, April 26th, starting at 4.30, Carroll v. Alter, GCL co-ed battle, and Preble County battle, Eaton versus Tri-County North to follow. Wednesday, April 27th, Mechanicsburg, West Liberty, Salem, and Spencerville, Lima, Perry to follow. Thursday, 28th, Sydney, Washington, I believe that's Washington Courthouse, and Valley View, Springboro. Yeah, it's the only sport where you see Valley View actively taking on Springboro. I don't get it, but hey. Valley View's playing, so that's pretty cool. Saturday, April thirtieth, three games at eleven. It's Hillsboro, Lincoln View. Three thirty is Springfield Shawnee National Trail, and seven is Wilmington versus McLean. Saturday, May the first, Redding against Ross. Sunday, May the eighth, Bradford, Spencerville. I think that's after a Dragons game. Tuesday, the tenth, one game, Franklin Monroe versus. It says Acanum, but it's Arcanum, the Battle of Forty Nine. And the last one scheduled May 11th, Lima Bath versus Halson. I had to remember it's not Houston, but yeah, there you go. Here's the Reds Futures Showcase. Most of these games are in Cincinnati, but there are some at Xavier's Hayden Field, Miami's McKee Field at Hayden Park, UC Baseball Stadium at Cincinnati and Nishwood State in my right state. I'll be at right state for four of those six. Your schedule starts this Saturday at the Reds Youth Academy. Clinton Massey against Lebanon at 11. Clark Montessori, North College Hill at noon. No, they're not playing 45 minute games. There's multiple fields at the complex, so there you go. Clark Montessori, North College Hill at noon. McNicholas, Purcell, Marion at one. Lakota West, Milford at four. Deer Park, Wyoming at three. Sunday the 10th, this is softball's opening day because, yes, softball is included. Hughes versus Western Hills at noon. This is at the Reds Youth Academy on Gabby Rodriguez Day. And Williamsburg takes on Wilmington. Monday the 11th, back to baseball at East Central High School in Indiana. Batesville, East Central, Lawrenceburg, South Dearborn. That's weird that East Central gets to host and play there, but there you go. At Wright State, my first of four. Wednesday the 13th, Bellbrook Monroe at 5, Kettering Fairmont Springboro at 7.30. Thursday the 14th at Minkin Field in Covington. This is Covington, Kentucky. Bishop Rossert versus Holy Cross at 10.30 in the morning on a school day? That's got to be spring break. And a one, Covington Catholic, Newport Central Catholic. April 16th, a Saturday, back at... Reds Youth Academy on Jackie Robinson Day. Gamble Montessori versus Schroeder at 11. Riverview East, Euler at noon. Hughes Western Hills at 1. Mount Healthy, Norwood at 2. Aiken Taft at 3. Walnut Hills, Winton Woods at 4. That's an ECC battle there. Monday the 18th, back at Wright State University's Nishwood Stadium. Miamisburg, Northmont at 5. And Beaver Creek and Centerville at 7.30. Since I've been announcing the Reds High School Futures Showcase, which I believe this is my fifth, sixth year doing it. I have to look. Yeah, Miamisburg, Centerville, Beaver Creek have all been in it every year, and I don't think the Vikings have won a game yet. Don't you think it's my fault, Miamisburg? I don't control anything. I think Centerville is undefeated there. Beaver Creek, I think, is there you go. At St. Elizabeth Healthcare Field in Bellevue, it's Bellevue versus Marymont, Battle of Ohio Kentucky, Tuesday the 19th at 5. Back at Wright State on April the 20th, Franklin Madison at 5, Bishop Fenwick, Chaminade Julian at 7.30. At Xavier on the 22nd of April, Loveland Turpin at 5, Saturday the 23rd at Xavier. Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy against Oxford Talawanda at noon and Coleraine Anderson at 3. On April the 30th, there are two different sites this day at softball stadium at Miami U. Lakota East Milford at noon, Lebanon Mason at two thirty, and Harrison Oak Hills at seven at Harrison. Monday, May the second, at UC LaSalle, LaSalle takes on Saint X. Elder has Moeller GCL South night there at Miami U on the sixth. Mason Sycamore at five, Fairfield Hamilton seven thirty. On May the 7th at 11 a.m., Edgewood's at Middletown. And at Joyce Park in Fairfield, Baden takes on Ross. At Beachwood High School on the 10th, Beachwood Cooper and Scott Walton, Ver- Walton Verona. On May the 11th at Midland Baseball Complex, Batavia Hillsboro and New Richmond Reading. Friday, May 13th at Big League Weekend at Great American Ballpark. Covington Catholic versus Dixie Heights, Elder versus Highlands. And Saturday, May 14th, again, at Great American Ballpark. Your last three, Kettering Altar, Roger Bacon at 11, Campbell County, Connor at three, Fairfield, Centerville at five. And that wraps up the 11th Reds Futures High School Showcase. Again, the big difference is with this one, it's all over the place. With the Dragons, they are ballpark. So there you go. It's always cool to announce and definitely looking forward to coming back to these tournaments and games and working these spring is back baby it's opening day happy baseball celebration one and oh and hopefully we'll have the same attitude after a month of reds and dragons baseball that'll do it for this episode here on the Cincinnati Dayton sports podcast I'm Lee W. Mowen and yes the college basketball wrap-up is coming out soon I promise until then go baseball Thank you for listening to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowan. Be sure to bookmark Sindaypod.com spelled C-I-N-D-A-Y-P-O-D, the official website of the podcast. You can find your favorite ways of listening to the local Cinday Sports Podcast, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. You can also purchase merchandise from T Public and Redbubble to help support the podcast. Follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CindyPod, and the host at the Lee TheLeeWMowen. The closing theme is Cosmopolitan from Pecan Pie on Upbeat. This is Lee W. Mowen signing off another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Thank you for your continued listenership, and join me on the next episode.